Welcome back to another episode of season two of the Soul Inspired podcast. Today we are talking to Jess. She's an incredible mother of three. She's a Reiki healer. She's also a doula. And I feel very fortunate that I'm actually working with her this time around for my own pregnancy. And because of that, I wanted to bring her on and just chat about her experiences with birth, what led her down this path, what she really thinks of the way that birth is going in Australia at the moment. And yeah, just get her insights into birth as a whole. So I really hope that you enjoy this. And if you do, please leave a five-star review and a comment. I would love to hear from you. Enjoy. I would love if you can tell me a little bit about yourself, what it is that you're doing and just how you kind of got to where you are at the moment. Yeah, of course. Um, So I am a mum of three, three under five. So that's fun. We're very Very busy. busy. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm a mum of three. I am a Reiki practitioner. I am a doula. And yeah, I guess all of it started for me after I had my children. It was actually more of a personal journey for me. Mm-hmm. Um, after I had our second daughter, I just felt a little bit off and there were a few things going on and I'd been to doctors and stuff and they were like, well, you know, we'll send you to this psychologist and this. And I was like, no, there's it's something else. Like there's something else going on anyway. Then we, with our third, we fell pregnant and she was a surprise baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was after her, I had a really hard pregnancy with her. I was really sick. I think they were very close together. My body just didn't have time to sort of repair and recover. And then I was diagnosed with postnatal anxiety Mm -hmm. and very high levels of stress. Um, and I was sent to psychologists and doctors and no one could kind of help me. And I just thought I just have to do this myself and I have to try and, you know, no one's really helping. No one's really listening. Um, my doctor actually told me that, you know, we can't keep testing you for weird and wonderful things. So, and I was just like, okay. And they said pretty much it's all in your head. And I was like, no, like this wow. I'm not okay. So I went to psychologist and that still didn't help. Um, and then we moved down to Shoalhaven Heads. And I don't know, I just came across this woman. I said to my partner one day, surely there's something like, something that can help me meditation wise or something can I came across this woman Julianne Julianne Webster from Butterfly Therapies and she changed my life completely she I went to her for some energy healing and she just like opened me up to this whole new world and I really started working with energy and healing myself and just living a much more holistic alternative lifestyle and yeah and it just went on from there and I then I was absolutely mind-blown what energy healing could actually do and how Mm. much it helped me and I just said like I need to share this with other people I need to share it and I need like other people need to know about this so I started studying I studied my first degree and second degree with her And I ended up opening up my own Reiki business or an earth. And I did that for probably almost a year and it was really successful. And a lot of people um, were drawn to me and they wanted to work with me and they were seeing some, we were seeing some really great results. And then, I don't know, I started just 
branching out with different things, looking at herbs and whole foods and just everything. I just changed my lifestyle completely. And then seven years, so once we'd had our first daughter in 2015, I fell in love with childbirth Mm. um, and I was just mesmerized by it. So actually when I went into my energy healing, all my friends and family were really shocked that that's the path I had taken because they all, I just was like, I want to be a midwife. But for some reason, I never really went ahead with it. And then we just kept having babies and I kept putting it off. And I was just so called to doing this energy work. And I was seeing these incredible results, not only within myself, but my clients. And then it was that entire lifestyle change and that big awakening that I went through. I went through a huge awakening that led me to doula work, a much more holistic alternative um, path to childbirth, working working, um, as a childbirth, uh, as a birth worker. So, yeah, I love that so much. And I think it's really interesting. When I first started following you on Instagram, I started following you for Reiki um, and I hadn't really heard too much about it. So for anyone who doesn't know what Reiki is, could you explain it in a really simple way? Yeah. Yep. So Reiki is it's a type of energy healing. So it's healing your body on an energetic level. So we all tend to hold throughout our body, we hold onto a lot of, you know, we can hold on to stagnant energy, negative energy, trauma, so many different things. And it's just light touch. It's used with your hands and we shift energy around. We remove energy, we release it. And you leave the session, we work with your chakras. So Mm -hmm. we sort of work at the crown chakra, third eye chakra, all the way down to your root chakra. And we just sort of pick up what you're holding on to. And then we're able to release it, let go. And you leave the session feeling like really light Mm -hmm. and much more at ease. You know, people tend to, a lot, a lot, what I saw a lot of was like um, the crown chakra and third eye chakra. It was always like, for me, it was always, my clients always seemed to have really high stress levels, anxiety, depression, um, just past traumas popping up. And they all really held it around the head and the heart. Um, So we would just work around that area. And it's just through light touch with the hands. It's incredible. It's really, it's insane how it works. Yeah, it's really interesting. I've only had one Reiki session and I think unless you actually go and experience it, it's really hard to explain. I think with yeah. a lot of these healing modalities, it's kind of hard to explain unless you've experienced it. But I remember um, specifically, I felt like my head was on fire when yeah. I yeah. was getting Reiki and I was like, what is going on? Like my head yeah. feels like it's burning up. Um, yeah. And I left feeling so much lighter And I went in there actually saying how heavy I felt and I just walked out like I was floating on a cloud. And to try and explain it to someone, it might just seem like, well, nothing really happens. But yeah, the energy work, I will never, I will never stop being so amazed and also surprised by how impactful energy healing work really can be. So Yeah, I think your journey to more of a holistic lifestyle and everything, obviously that was kind of like the opening for you and being a mother as well, those two kind of things. I think becoming a mother is a massive spiritual awakening in itself, isn't it? Because you really really have like the death of one version of yourself and the rebirth of a new one. So Mm -hmm. 
with becoming with deciding to become a doula obviously that would have been impacted by you being a mother was there anything else that set you down that path is it because you didn't align with the midwifery kind of you know is there a reason that you went down that path specifically so originally um when I wanted to be a midwife I was drawn to you know just helping women give birth to babies but then working with energy and being a mother and then with my last um with my last birth our daughter Sunny she's two now um it was actually quite a traumatic birth and um I just it was like I just wanted to make a difference I wanted to support women I didn't realize how much support I didn't have throughout that experience um and I just wanted I wish I had have had someone there to advocate for me and be there to inform me and educate me and help me have a better understanding of what was going on my rights um my my options that I had so with Sunny I um I went in at 38 weeks for a 38 week check and I was told I had cholestasis now for anyone that doesn't know what that is it is a um it's like a liver condition and your body can produce way too much I think it's bile Mm -hmm. I think it is um and it's very dangerous for the baby and it can cause stillbirth but it can be medicated And I wasn't aware of this at the time. So I went in and um, they said, basically, we need twin juice. My other labors were just, I went into labor naturally. I birthed my babies naturally, vaginally. Um, But with um, this one, they were like, we need to induce you. And it was like, we're doing it pretty much now. And I was just like, oh, okay. Um, I wasn't educated on the risks of induction, any of that stuff. And it just was one complicate, one medical intervention led to another complication to another medical intervention, which led to another complication. And I ended up in an emergency C-section and she was born and she wasn't breathing properly. And it was just a mess. And I still get like, when I think about it, I get really emotional and I still get so triggered by it. And it's something that's two years later, I'm really still trying to process and be like, okay. And I feel like I missed out on, you know, that moment that you get to hold your baby for the first time, because as soon as she came out, she was taken away from us. And it was that too, like that just didn't sit well with me. And then I realized how many women this is actually happening to and how many women aren't educated or supported. They don't know that they have options. They don't know Um, that they have rights and it was just wanting to advocate for women and support women and just yeah be there for them Uh, because that for me like yes I wanted to be a midwife and then but I just coming into energy work in a more holistic alternative lifestyle I just sort of it was way too clinical for me it was way too medicalized and I mean the medical system they can be incredible like they are Mm. needed um, when they are needed, yeah, they, you know, they do a There's really a place good for both. There is a place yeah. for both. Yes, I'm not anti-medical system. I'm not, um, you know, only free birth. I'm, I'm pro-choice. Hmm. But um, 
yeah, so I kind of lost that want for the midwifery side of things. And I just wanted to support women in a more holistic, natural alternative way. Like it, midwives, yes, they are absolutely, absolutely incredible, but you just don't get the same care that you get from a doula. You don't get the in-depth information. You don't, you know, you're pretty much told, well, well you know, you can have this done and that's it. You're not given your options, the risks that are involved. Um, and although I said I experienced that firsthand and I just wanted to be there and I wanted to be a voice for other women to, yeah, to just be there for them and support them and know that they are supported and they are, you know, they have every right to advocate for what they want. Um, but, yeah, so that's kind of, yeah. Wow, yes, I think so many women um, don't realize their rights around birthing and mm. don't have someone to advocate for them. I felt yeah. really lucky when I went in for the birth of my daughter, my friend who was a midwife actually was working at the time and she knew like exactly what I wanted. And it doesn't sound lucky, but it was actually a really crazy day. So yeah. there was no one intervening and trying to rush me along. And I was pretty lucky I didn't go in until I was like really in need of going to the hospital. And, you know, when the doctors did come in, I actually found them so hostile and it was like to them birth wasn't a natural experience. It was like it was a procedure. And to me, we've been birthing forever. Every single human on the planet came from birth and the fact that we have become so disconnected from mm -hmm. it being a natural part of our life is yeah. really sad so I think having people like you having a doula having people that are advocating for choice in their birth yeah. and for I guess education as well knowing that we're actually made to do this and that you don't need to yeah. have intervention 24 7 unless absolutely necessary yeah. Um, and also, if you want to, that's totally fine as well. But having the choice and feeling mm -hmm. empowered in that decision that you make, there was even, yeah. you know, on a on a zoomed out scale, my birth experience was amazing. And mm -hmm. there was still some things that made me feel very uncomfortable and that I have really had to go and do some work healing because I didn't feel like that was right or you know, there's certain things that happened at the time that I just felt like I had to say yes to that later on made me feel quite violated and uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think that that experience is way, way, way too common. So I think it's so important that we have people going down this line of work. I'm also so interested in helping empower women to know that like their body is made to do this. But I don't think that this is yeah. my line of work necessarily, but just so I want to be that voice to be able to direct them to people like you that yeah. says actually yeah you can do that and yeah. I'm very excited that this time around this pregnancy that I'm going to have you to support me yeah. through it yeah. I think um I think it can be such a powerful thing to have someone who knows exactly what you want Mm -hmm. actually there and present because when you are going through the the waves of labor you can really lose what you actually want. 
you can lose yeah. sight of that. I remember like yeah. thinking at one stage, like I'm just going to lay on this ground. I'm not going to do anything and they can just cut the baby out of me. And then I'm like, no, get it together. And like, this is not what you want to do. Yes. And you yeah. know, like as soon as the baby's delivered, I was like, oh, there we go. There's no more pain. It's, it's done. Yeah. It's, a, it's done. Yeah. And if I, if I didn't have, if I hadn't have told that midwife who was actually in there with me exactly what I wanted, maybe I would have gone down a different path and I wouldn't have been as yes. happy with my birth experience. So I think that that is yeah. really, really important. You're right. Like it is. I think it is so important um, because, yeah, it's just way too common these days to have the amount of birth trauma that is going on in Australia at the moment and the amount of unnecessary medical interventions and C-sections. I think our C-section rate sits above 41% um, in Australia. Crazy. It's crazy. And there are women who, you know, they're very healthy. Their babies are healthy. There's nothing wrong. And they're, they're being induced. And for like, what reason? We just don't know. Like, so I think it's so important to have someone there, you know, advocating for you and just reminding you what you want because it's so easy to let medic the medical staff stand there and go, oh, but this is what we think is best to have mm. someone there to go, hang on a second, but like, this is what she wants, you know what I mean? And yes. yeah, yeah. And reminding, reminding yourself that you're the authority yes of course take everything that is offered to you and Mm -hmm. actually have a look at the information provided but understanding at the end of the day you're the mother that authority lies with you you do not have to think that the people that are you know in these fields are your authority because they're not and I think yeah I think that's something else that really needs to change we need to Mm -hmm. have more women and mothers actually being empowered to make those decisions and not to be made to feel belittled or stupid for deciding to go against what they they want to do yeah yeah Yeah. it's crazy it's just you know it's your body it's your baby it is entirely up to you what you choose to do and I just think the coercion that goes on is insane. So yeah, but like just having women know that like they are in charge of their bodies. You don't have to, because I was that person at one point who was like, well, I just go to the hospital because they will tell me what to do. They know what I need to do. I'm like, no, like this is your body. This is your baby. You are in control completely. Yeah. It's very interesting when you were talking on intervention I remember the whole way through my first pregnancy being told she's going to be so big. She's going to be huge. She's going to be so big. We have to keep measuring you. You're measuring ahead. You're measuring ahead. You know, we're going to book in an induction. We're booking in an induction. And I just kept thinking, oh my God, all this added stress and anxiety of this huge baby that I was apparently having. Yeah. I think, what did she end up being? 3.8 kilos. So she wasn't tiny, but she definitely was not. She was just a completely average sized yeah. baby. And all that added stress, anxiety, extra ultrasounds, talk of induction, all the things that were not necessary at all were brought up throughout my whole pregnancy. And I think yeah. going into it the second time around, I now understand a little bit better that 
take everything that you hear with a grain of salt. You don't need to take on what they say as law or that you're yes. not going to have this baby early or any of those things. Like, listen, but don't take on everything that you hear immediately. So, yeah, yeah that was definitely definitely a learning thing for me yeah it's crazy like like that happens all the time too they it's really I don't know they they tend to say all these things but what they don't realize that they're doing is it's really messing with the mother's the physiological process of birth because all it takes is for them to say oh baby's measuring really big and that automatically puts into that mother's head that I'm not going to be able to birth this baby naturally because it's looking too good when really like 80% of the time they actually don't know how big that baby is and I was told my baby was going to be a nine pound baby my baby came out just over six pounds so (laughs) like a lot of the time they get that stuff wrong and all it takes is the slightest just a word or a sentence to affect the mother's physiological process of her birth and her labor and it can throw everything off it can have the um the ability to slow your labor down or even stop your labor. And there was actually a study done um, and there are a group of mothers and these mothers were just carrying average size babies, but they were told, this wasn't done intentionally, but they were told, you know, baby's looking too big. um, You know, you might need um, an assisted birth. You might need um, a C-section. And all those women ended up not being able to birth their babies vaginally. And they all ended up in emergency C-sections. There was another group of mothers who had larger babies and they weren't told anything. They didn't say anything to them. They were left alone. Their babies were measuring bigger, but there was none of this, you know, we need to induce you, we need to look, we need to plan maybe a C-section, book a C-section, none of that. They were just left alone. These mothers birthed nine to 10 pound babies vaginally. They were just left alone and they were able to birth their babies vaginally naturally. And these were big babies that were born. So Mm. it just goes to show how simple it is for just one word or one sentence to come from someone to really physiologically mess with that process of labor and birth so it's really like you just said take everything with a grain of salt like okay yeah my baby's going to be big all right just let that go because they don't know 100 percent whether your baby's going to be big or not and yeah. even if it's big our bodies are built to birth our babies you know unless 90 percent of the time if you're not going to be able to birth your baby vaginally and naturally. It's because you've got something going on with your pelvis or, you know, you've had an accident and something's gone on there. Our bodies aren't going to grow babies that are too big to be birthed. Mm -hmm. There's always some underlying medical reason that you would be aware of, aware of prior to either falling pregnant or and okay look like um like some people people's pelvises can be tilted or you know Mm. off-centered and that can affect it but or they've been in an accident and they've you know they've had something going on there but our bodies aren't gonna grow a baby that's just too big to be birthed yeah yeah yes I couldn't agree more um on that I wanted to talk about having empowered c-sections or cesareans Mm. because I don't want anyone listening to this to feel that this is just bagging that experience and and that's not by any means the intention here I think it's more that we're kind of saying 
women should know that they can do it that 90% of the time like you said it is possible and if that's something that they want they shouldn't be deterred Um, but can you talk about an empowering you know cesarean birth and kind of go into that a little bit yeah of course so there are things called calm Mm c-sections so if you're someone who you know and like I said I'm so pro-choice so some people might want to lay uh, birth their babies naturally. Some women might want a C-section. There could be medical, you know, underlying medical reasons for that, whatever the reason is. Um, but there are things such as um, calm C-section. So you can actually go into a C-section depending on your hospital, but you can plan to have a really beautiful C-section. Some of this might mean that you're not, um, with some C-sections, they might just strap your arms down because, you know, they've got stuff going on um but you can ask to have your arms free you can ask to have the baby placed on your chest instantly for skin to skin you can have your birthing music your calm birthing music in the room at the time um you can ask for there to be as little talking because sometimes in c-sections you know you have the medical staff counting and doing their things but some hospitals may even allow for for them to be a little more quieter for you to have a really beautiful experience um what else yeah and then even taking the baby with you to recovery or even while um you know they're stitching you up and they're fixing everything up you can pop the baby on your boob on your breast so there are ways to have a really beautiful c-section c-section doesn't have to be something that is emergency and traumatic um now they will call, they'll even call it for me, my C-section wasn't like, okay, we need to go now, like let's rush. It Mm -hmm. was, well, this is what's happened. We can go now and sort of do it in a calm manner or you can keep trying and you're probably going to end up in emergency C-section. So they still class that as an emergency C-section, even though it wasn't, we still had time Mm -hmm. to sort of plan around it. But you still have options and you still have, all your own rights and your wants and needs. And you can 100% talk to your care providers to really have an empowering, beautiful C-section. You can do it. It's so possible. But yeah, they're called calm C-sections. And they are, it's like, they try and say, they try and mimic a natural birth as much as possible. Because you're not, birth is birth, whether it's vaginally, whether it's through a C-section, birth is birth and it's all beautiful but yeah so there are ways around making your c-section and the other thing too like you can plan for that so even if you are planning a vaginal birth you can sort Mm -hmm. of do a birth map I don't like to say birth plan um anymore because you can't plan for your birth 100% (laughs) so I like to say birth map because you can sort of plan say okay well if we go down if it happens to take the route of a c-section we can plan for that or if I want an epidural we can plan for that or if I want to keep going natural we can plan for that so um you can even in your birth map you can plan your c-section and have it ready even if that's you know something that you're not planning on doing but you can really plan for an empowering beautiful Um, c-section through birth mapping and just yeah so there are ways around it I love that that so much because I didn't want anyone listening to think you know this is just dumping on that because like you said birth is birth and I think as long as you feel good about your experience then that's really all that matters I was born by a c-section so is my sister and I know that 
yeah, I resulted in an emergency C-section. So my mum opted for the second yeah, because yeah. she just decided I I don't want to go through the same experience I went through the first yeah. time because it was traumatizing for her. But yeah. obviously your goal and the goal of a lot of people in this space is to stop a lot of those traumatizing experiences yeah. that women are having yeah. so yeah. I would love to know like what's your ultimate hope for women's birth experiences my ultimate hope is that for them to just have the birth experience that they had wished for but when I plan with my clients their births like I said we map it out so every option there is a, it's planned in a way that no matter what happens they feel empowered and they feel that they did the best that they could and they come out of it with no regrets in their decisions every decision that they made along the way they feel they feel confident within themselves and they feel content with how their labors and their births unfolded i want them to just you know, I want these women to feel empowered no matter what path their birth or labor, their labor or birth may go down, that they feel okay with it. Yeah. And that they, uh, yeah, they don't come out of it with any sort of trauma or doubt or, you know, questioning like, oh, why did I do this? Why did I not do this? I want them to just come out of it feeling empowered and just on top of the world like you've just birthed your baby I want you to come out of it feeling supported and empowered and on top of the world and know that whatever path that your labor and your birth might take at the end of the day as long as you've come out feeling okay that's to me that's the most important yeah Um, yeah it's just yeah having that support there and just feeling empowered there's nothing worse like I felt with my first two, I felt so empowered after them. I was like, mm. I just did that. I birthed my babies. But after my third, I didn't feel that way. And I just felt like, why did I not look into this more? Why? And I was just questioning myself. Yeah. I don't want, you know, my women and these mothers to be questioning themselves and, you know, questioning why did this happen this way? Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? I want them to be like, okay, well, I've planned for every possible outcome and no matter what happens I'm going to be okay with this and I'm going to make it as beautiful as possible and at the end of the day if this is the way my baby had to be born that's just how she or he was meant to be born if that makes I hope that makes sense yeah no that makes total sense and I guess I would ask what would you say to women who aren't feeling like they had that experience like they feel maybe a little bit ripped off by their birth experience or they have regrets about how something went down, whether it was throughout their pregnancy or actually in the birthing experience or even post-birth. Is there anything that you would say to them or that you would recommend or suggest, whether it be like, um, you know, people to talk to or practices to take up or, you know, anything that, any words of wisdom, I suppose. Yeah, so... I know for firsthand how this can feel and it can feel really horrible and you can feel quite alone. And I would just say to them, if you come out of that and you, you know, you don't feel satisfied or you are questioning yourself and you're not coming out of it how you expected to, I would really make sure like there's so many things you can do, you know, at the end of the day, talking to your partner 
connecting to your partner and just because it can really affect you emotionally like it even got to the point where it was affecting me physically my physical health so reaching out for help and talking about it so for me it was talking to really close friends of mine who have experienced similar situations who could relate to me um, if I had have had a doula which I wish I had have I really really would have just spent some time with her debriefing and that's something we do post birth with our clients too is we debrief we let them their first visit we let them debrief their birth and go over everything and just vent and release anything that they're kind of holding on to or you know just kind of let go if they if they're experiencing any um like um what's the word you know they're just not feeling right about how it all unfolded we sit there and we listen and we just let them just release what how they're feeling and what it is they're feeling but talk to people connect to people for me what has helped me has been my energy work so really working on a deeper spiritual level and just I found I was suppressing a lot of stuff like whatever like it happened like whatever I've just what's happened has happened I can't change it and I was just suppressing it and suppressing it and suppressing it until I was like I would just have moments of running bursting into tears and Mm. just being like why like so allowing those emotions to come up you know let those emotions come up, feel those emotions, process them. And I do that through meditation. Reiki energy healing is amazing um, for releasing trauma and any negative unwanted energy. So I was going to my Reiki energy healing sessions. I was meditating. If I, I would even go sit in my room and just get into like a meditative state and any emotion that I would feel come up to the surface, I would just let out. And if I cried, I cried. And it's good, like cry, let that emotion out, but just make sure you reach out and you talk to people. Um, For me, my saviors were my Reiki master, uh, my meditation teacher, Kate Cliff, meditation. She has been incredible. I speak to her, my partner. um, But just making sure you have a really good support system and you have people that you can rely on and talk to. Um, I find for me, honestly, talking about it and just, you know, processing it and sort of like releasing it as well through energy work. My top tips would 100% be Reiki, go and have some energy work done and just really release that energy. Meditation and just talking about it to just help release it and just but talking to people who have experienced the same thing, who can relate to you, who know how you feel. They've been there, they've experienced that. And then there's always work that you can do too to say you want to have another child next, like you want to have another child. Well, taking on like education, educating yourself on what happened to you. You know, why did this happen to me? Like educating yourself on C-sections or just birth itself, hiring, honestly, hiring a doula because that is where you're going to get most of your information. You can sit down with them. This is what I'm worried about. What do you know about this? Can you help me with this? So educating yourself on your rights, your options, um, the risk factors, just everything, just being going into your next birth really confident 
so that you can next time avoid that from happening. But yeah, honestly, the things that helped me were my meditation, my energy healing, and just talking to people, finding that. And I find that really important for anyone postpartum too, whether you had a really beautiful birth experience or, you know, you didn't and you come out of it with birth trauma, ensuring that you have someone who can listen to you, someone that can help out with the baby, someone that can just come over and take the baby while you just have a rest. Mm. It all makes a huge difference in your postpartum care. But yeah, just my top tip would just, yeah. So I would suggest even before you have your baby, sitting down with your partner and just, okay, who do we feel comfortable talking to if I'm not feeling my best? Because some people don't want to put that stress onto their partner as well because their partner might be, might be feeling quite stressed and, you know, yeah. they might be carrying birth trauma too. They're there with you. They're experiencing the same thing, not the same thing, but, you know, they're there, they're <laughs> witnessing it. Like they go through a lot of stress too. So, you know, who do we feel comfortable talking to if, you know, we come out of this with a bit of birth trauma or we're just tired, you know, or who do we feel comfortable with coming over and watching the baby for us? Who do we feel comfortable with? to take the baby, just all different things. Um, but all these little bits and pieces make a huge difference. Yes, I, I definitely believe that. I birthed my daughter at the beginning of COVID and that was a very isolating experience. It was mm-hmm. me and my partner for the first six weeks. We didn't have anyone else touch the baby or yeah. have any physical help or support. And I found that I had a lot of anxiety, mainly because I wasn't sleeping at all. I didn't sleep when she slept. I didn't sleep when she was awake. I didn't really sleep at all for probably about two or three weeks. And I just was an absolute wreck because I wasn't sleeping. So everything was heightened and everything was feeling so intense and overwhelming. And I think having support would have really made that whole transition period a lot smoother because yeah I I could have slept but I was just so anxious that I I couldn't let myself sleep so being able to feel that I had support and that I had help and in saying that I have the most supportive partner ever yeah Um, but I didn't even I didn't even trust him because I thought well, if I'm this tired how tired is he I didn't want to yeah. leave anyone yeah. <laughs> like I didn't want to leave either of us with her so yeah I definitely think like having someone that you can or having people that you can turn to for that extra layer of support would really yeah. be so comforting and like that little yeah. extra cushioning in the transitional yeah. period yeah um when it comes to postpartum and that kind of fourth trimester time, mm-hmm. is there any specific like care, self-care things that um, a mother should be doing for herself? Are there any kind of alternative things that you would recommend? I have seen some things about, I, I do not know what the word is, but it's kind of like where they tie belly belly. Belly binding, yes. Um, And yeah, I've seen a few different kind of practices, but is there anything specifically that you would recommend or that you have kind of heard has been helpful or that you've done yourself? Yeah, so the first 40 days, so you'll find a lot of people prep for their labours and their births 
but they don't really think about their postpartum care. And to be honest, the postpartum care can be somewhat even more important than the labor and the birth in some ways. Like it is so crucial that we plan for our postpartum care. So my top, my top tips would be um, the first 40 days take really, really slow. Like, and I mean really slow. So our bodies, once we birth our baby, we're actually full of air. It is an empty space. And what can happen is we can become really dry inside and cold. We lose a lot of heat from our bodies when we give birth. And it actually takes a lot of time for us to sort of fall back into our bodies and build that heat and start healing ourselves. So one thing that I suggest you do is really, like I said, make sure you have a great support system, um, people that can cook for you, people that can, like I said, come over and take the baby for a few hours so you can have a nap. So you and your partner can both have a nap. Um, people to come and do your washing, your washing up, people around your home so that you can be in bed with your baby. That is the main thing. You know, that skin to skin is so crucial. That rest for you is crucial. If you're depleted, you're no good to your baby. So you want to be able to take that time and just take it slow. So a lot of time spent in bed, warm, nourishing foods, like a lot of people, you know, in our modern society are like, oh, I've just had this baby. I need to go for a walk around the block and I need to eat this salad and I need to drop this weight. It's no, like it is that rest and warm, nourishing foods. So like soups. And I mean, if you love salads, like a nice warm salad, some potatoes, like put some potatoes in your salad, some warm chicken. You want warmth in your food to help build that warmth back up within your body. Warm teas, nourishing, healing teas and bone broths. And um, like I said, soups. Um, what else? Even your water. So consuming your water at room temperature or warm postpartum. Because what happens is when you're drinking cold water, your body actually uses extra energy to turn it into sort of a room temperature for your body to actually be able to absorb it. So That's for your body... Yeah, so when we're drinking like ice cold water, our body's not absorbing it properly and our body's actually doing overtime and it's burning energy trying to heat it up so that our bodies are actually able to absorb it. So mm -hmm. drinking plenty of water, staying hydrated, eating really warm, nourishing foods, staying warm ourselves, so wearing socks. So, I mean, even if it's... It might be a bit different in summer, um, but yeah, wearing socks on your feet. So the second that baby's out, popping some socks on your feet, keeping that warmth within your body, um, wearing some like layered clothing, you really, and that's where the belly binding comes into it. Now, I don't know much about belly binding, but I do know, I'm not going to say it's, I was going to say it's Ayurvedic, but I'm not 100% sure, but I, I do. I've seen that as well. I yeah, I think I, I yeah and they wrap the tummy to sort of help everything heal and hold everything in and keep that heat within the body to help your body heal um but it's really important to get that rest like you don't need to be up walking around doing laps like yes for your circulation especially if you've had a c-section but the biggest walk you need to do is just out around your garden take a minute to do a few laps of your garden or a few laps around your house that's it 
That's all you really need, but it's all about rest and support. Like support is huge in that, but really resting and nourishing and letting your body just restore itself and heal itself. I think we're all too determined to get up and bounce back and get out of the house and run around and get down the shops and, you know, put our old jeans back on. And it's not about that at all. Like that, though, that will come later down the track. But the first 40 days, it's all about nourishing your body because, you know, you're nourishing yourself so that you can nourish your baby. And yeah. that's skin that one on like it doesn't it, the time goes so quick like and it is so beneficial for the baby for you to be doing that skin to skin and just feeding and just you know that connection with your baby is so important in those first few days the first few weeks and months even but yeah that would be my top few tips on postpartum care but also like actually I was talking to a client today about if you're someone, because I get a lot of people say to me, but I can't day nap. So they say sleep when the baby sleeps. And that mm. I think is so important if you can. But meditation in replacement of sleeping. So if you find like I could never, I could never sleep. I um I could never day sleep. It would make I just wake up feeling worse. And a few of my clients are the same. So yeah, I think it's really mm. common. And especially if you have, you know, an older sibling running around, it's a lot harder, like trying to get those two babies down for the same sleep time is almost impossible. Um, so I really suggest meditation. So even practicing throughout your pregnancy so that you're prepared for postpartum as well. And it's only going to benefit you throughout your pregnancy, something you can use in your labor and birth and then use throughout postpartum. But meditation is so important and it's something so 20 minutes of a good meditation can actually add up to four hours of uninterrupted sleep and it's going to be it's deeper than what your deeper sleep would be it's really beneficial for your body so even if you can just get a good meditation practice and work with that so that when your baby's sleeping and you can just take some time take 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever, it might be 35 minutes, however long you want to meditate for, but get in a nice meditation, preferably two times a day. Um, it's a lot more effective to, if you try and get in a little 10 to 20 minute block of a morning, 10 to 20 minute block of an afternoon. Um, that would be so much better than just powering through the day. Like you said, you know, you weren't sleeping you weren't sleeping throughout the day, you weren't sleeping at all. And it really takes a toll on your body. It really does. Yeah. So just ensuring you're getting that good restful meditation in so that your body has time to replenish and restore itself so that you can keep going. Yes, that actually reminded me that I've had a meditation practice for quite some time now. And yeah. I definitely found that that was one of the things that I think kept me sane. Yes. Um, and at least slightly leveled at the time. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think that I would have really coped at all if it wasn't for having a daily meditation practice. Yeah. When it comes to um, women's health and the health of the baby during pregnancy and postpartum, are there any specific supplements or herbs that you would recommend? I mean, obviously, you're not giving medical advice, but yes. just that you know or that you personally have had success with or have found beneficial? Yeah. So one of the herbs that I would highly suggest um, is raspberry leaf. So mm -hmm. it is incredible for, um, for pregnancy in terms of um, 
it really helps support the woman's hormone function. It's amazing for strengthening the uterus. Um, it's amazing throughout. Um, it also helps prepare the cervix for labor as well. Um, and then throughout postpartum, it's really, really beautiful for, again, um, balancing your hormones, um, helping milk production, um, strengthening your uterus and helping it contract back as well. It's a really beautiful herb. And you can have it like, I actually use it in the teas that I have for my mums. Um, I use it in my bath soaks. For, so for 32 plus weeks um, and then postpartum bath soaks, I have it in those as well. Um, it's just a beautiful herb. It's a very earthy herb. I wouldn't say it tastes like lavender or, or anything amazing like that, <laughs> um, but it is quite like a beautiful earthy herb. And um, in the teas I have, I mix it with like there's fresh rose petals and all other herbs in there. But raspberry leaf is really really beneficial to women it's even if you aren't pregnant it's really beneficial in supporting our our immune system our nervous system our like I said our hormone function that would be one herb that I would suggest obviously you can't take that herb until you are 32 plus weeks because it can stimulate the uterus to help bring on contractions as well but yeah that would be my one top tip of a really beautiful herb to help throughout pregnancy it helps throughout labor and it helps throughout the postpartum phase too. I did hear that when I was pregnant the first time around and I just, I don't think I ever got around to getting, getting my hands on it. I think yeah. I thought about it and I just yeah. <laughs> never actually went and yeah. got it. So yeah, I'll definitely be trying that this pregnancy then. Yeah, I am. Um, you can get it in capsules too. So some women actually like to, um, vaginally insert them so you can do that as well but I find if you start taking them from 30 32 weeks onwards it builds itself up enough within your system to be very effective and work the way that it should yeah incredible well I will definitely try that out this time yes. around yes so now going into more of you what are some of your daily non-negotiables, your practices that you just can't live without or that if you do miss, you notice that you miss it? Yeah. So for me, Vedic meditation. So I honestly cannot miss my, I do two sessions a day and I've just last week started my rounding, which is like an advanced version. And it's a lot of ancient um, yogi, I think it's asanas, which, yeah. That's um, your, so that's your physical yoga practice? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So um, the rounding is you wake up in the morning and um, you just jump straight out of bed. And it's a good way to just connect to self, you know. Um, you do your asanas, you do some breath work, pranayama. Yeah. Your breath, that, breath, your breathing. Yeah, yep. Yep, pranayama. It's only very new to me, so I'm still trying to get the. Yep, so I do my pranayama. Um, and then I sit in a 20 minute meditation. And then once I've done the 20 minute meditation, I do a savasana for 10 minutes. So I do that every single morning. Mm. Usually I'll try and get three 20 minute Vedic meditations in a day because, like I said, I'm still healing myself from birth trauma and my pregnancies and my nervous system, it, all it takes for me is to drop off one meditation a day and I can just feel my nervous system is just out of control. So meditation has been life-changing for me. That is something I cannot miss. And I dedicate 
the last week and a half, I've been dedicating almost two hours a day to that because it is, I have found it to be so unbelievably helpful. And it is, yeah, again, it has been life-changing, this meditation for me, but also just eating well, eating well, drinking plenty of water. I have to, I drink like three liters of water a day, just a really well-balanced diet. My meditations, moving my body. Um, If I don't, I just feel stagnant. I feel, you know, unmotivated. I feel heavy. So I have to move my body, whether it's a workout in the gym or it's just a walk or as long as I do some sort of movement, I feel so much better. They would be my my definite goes to a few times a week. I will do some self-reiki. I'll do a little bit of energy work. I tend to hold on to a lot of energy in my chest and I can feel it and it feels heavy. And so I like to kind of shift that. And I just do that when I sit down to do my meditations I set intentions every single day and I, you know, my gratitude and I do all of that in my meditations. It's something else I can't miss. I'm very, I'm a big believer in intention setting. Setting intentions is insane. And I can tell if I don't do it, I know I haven't done it. So I'll get halfway through the day and be like, why am I, oh my God, I didn't set my intentions. So setting my intentions, they would be my top few things that I have to do non-negotiable. Yeah, that sounds beautiful. I really love, I haven't really heard of Vedic meditation before until I kind of saw you sharing a little bit on it. So I'm definitely going to look a bit further into that because obviously being a yoga teacher will go very well alongside that for me to kind of go into that a little bit deeper. Yeah. So what inspires you? If there was just one thing that you could say that really inspires you on a daily basis, what is that thing for you? My children, my children and my husband, my family. Yeah. Um, and I honestly believe that that's why I do what I do. That's why I work so hard on self-care and all of the rest because, you know, I want to be my best self for them. And if I'm not my best self, like if I'm not looking after myself, I can't look after them. I can't give them my best self. And I just want to be my absolute best for my family and my husband. They are my motivation, 100%. I love that. And I think we learn so much from children. I think for myself, you kind of go into becoming a parent thinking, I'm going to have to teach them all these things and be this and be that. But truly they teach us. Yes. So much. And I mean, I'm only, I'm only 18 months in. I can't even imagine what's going to come Mm -hmm. in the next however many years of learning. I just, I truly do think it's a shock when you're a new parent and you realize, wow, they're actually opening up so many new insights for me, revelations, making me see things in a different light and making me, you know, question certain things that I've been doing, not in a bad way, but just making me reflect and think yeah oh how is this going to work out you know if I continue acting this way is this actually healthy behavior and am I teaching the right habits and things like that so yeah I love that because I think children really are so inspiring whether you plan on becoming a parent or not we can all learn something truly amazing from them if we actually just take the time and have a little bit of patience with them and yeah understand them yeah 100% I agree they have taught me more than I could ever teach them and I'm only five years in so (laughs) see you know oh but yeah they are like yeah they are my motivation 100% 
Yeah. And last question, where can people find you? And do you have any current offerings that you would like to talk about? Yeah. yeah. Um, so you can find me on Instagram, um, or in Earth. I'm on Facebook too. I don't have a website as of yet because I'm just like so I'm so busy. I just haven't even had time to think about a website. But yeah, you can find me there. Uh, my offerings at the moment. So I am, I'm not so much doing my energy work at the moment because my doula work has just taken over. And obviously with the children, but I am, I do have a few available spaces for February, March. But yeah, so I do have a few February spaces available, March spaces available. I do, yeah, I do my energy work with my pregnant clients and um, that's a part of my package. So I do some energy healing with them there. Uh, but I also do um, some oils and some beautiful bar salts and teas. And I've been just started working with like herbs and oils to help, you know, support my pregnant mamas and postpartum. And I plan on expanding that. So hopefully soon we'll have some more stuff going on over there. But yeah, so they're my offerings currently. Um, but yes. Amazing. Well, I can't wait to see what you have in store for us. I can't wait yeah. to see what little goodies you put together (laughs) thank you so much for being on today no thank you so much for having me I don't know about you guys but I so enjoyed that conversation I just think to highlight the importance of nourishment and nurturing for the new mother in this brand new chapter of her life is so so important and I really love that I got to talk with Jess about this and touch on it because I do think that she's so right when she says that As a society, we're really focused on the bounce back in terms of the way we look physically, but really what we need to be doing is focusing on nourishing ourselves and focusing on our mental health and our actual physical recovery from birth itself. I really hope that you guys enjoyed this. It is something a little bit different and I myself being a mother and being pregnant with another one, and truly so excited to hear about birthing experiences to hear about the ways that you can be empowered and to know that as women we can trust our bodies